Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me this week is fellow App Advice author, Jeff Burns. Join us this week as we boomerang through the sizzling new App Store stars and colorful Apple rumors. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Trevor? Doing good. Some uh, good. pretty interesting stuff this week. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're really starting to speed up on the rumor front. And so we'll kick things off right there. The iPhone 8, you know, there's going to be rumors every which way from now until September. And we're getting to the point, though, that Apple kind of has to finalize the production model to actually get the numbers produced needed by September. And that's why this stuff's coming out. So mainly this week has been about trying to integrate the Touch ID for the iPhone 8 right into the screen. Right, right. And, you know... Brian Wolf usually says don't trust rumors until you're about a month before the event. But we are at that sweet spot where they do have these two prototypes that have been leaked and they have to decide which one they're going to go with. Um, The one that's got the Touch ID on the back or one that has the Touch ID integrated into the screen itself. And you know Apple wants the seamless version that doesn't look like an HTC or Samsung device. They want it right into the screen. Yeah, they do. But you know what? I, I've I've been thinking about this. And pick up your phone and tell me how you hold your phone. Where are your fingers I, and where's your thumb? My thumb is instinctively on the front. All is four it? of my other fingers are on the back. Okay. See, most folks, when they pick up their phone, they're cradling their phone in their hand until they reach around. And it's kind of awkward, depending on your phone, to reach around and, and touch that Touch ID sensor. So what I hope to see is because, yeah, your thumb is is close to the front. So I hope to see the Touch ID sensor taking up the whole screen. That's what I really hope to see. I see what you're saying. When you just pick it up, not see, I've picked it up and now I've already gotten to the motion of flipping my hand around to get my thumb into position. But yeah, Yeah. when you do just pick it up, your thumb is right kind of by the Apple logo. Yeah. And your fingers are on the back of the device. So, you know, people, some folks have been saying that if they put the touch ID sensor on the back, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be like Samsung all over again. But this is Apple we're talking about. If they do it, they're going to do it right. And they're going to put it in a place where your finger naturally rests when you pick up your device. Yeah. And, I mean, part of it is just that we have the whole idea that it's going to be the 7S where it mimics the 4.7 and the 5.5. And then we have this top-tier iPhone 8. And so I could see them delaying that, like announcing it, but it doesn't ship for like a month or two afterwards. But the 7S is available now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that, it kind of gives them some room. To do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, really, we're far enough away that we can kind of speculate, but we're getting, like you said, to the point that we have a good idea of what Apple's going to do. It's just kind of the matter of the specifics at this point. Absolutely, yeah. And the fact that we're seeing big names you know, really trusted people in the Apple world giving us some of this information, you know, it's, 
it's kind of encouraging that some of these speculations might might turn out to be more true than not. And are you, you planning know? on picking up that iPhone eight if it's over a grand? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah. I would I would like to. And what it really comes down to, because I'm on the AT&T Next plan, so mm-hmm. it really comes down to what my monthly payment would be. Yeah. A lot of people are on that monthly plan, so it changes kind of the yeah. equation of picking it up. Oh, for sure. I mean, if I had to lay down $1,000, probably not. Yeah. Um, you know, it, people might think that the life of a of a tech writer is glamorous, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I, I wonder what that monthly payment comes out to be. Instead of say six fifty or even seven hundred, you go up to a thousand. It's three hundred dollars over twelve months. Sure. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, you have to pay half of it within twelve months to be able to upgrade. So okay. it's twenty four months. Mm-hmm. Um, my my iPhone seven plus retail price, I believe, was. Seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine. Yeah, so just depending on the storage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got the hundred and twenty eight gig, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm paying thirty two dollars a month for it. Mm-hmm. So I expect for a thousand dollar device, it would probably be in the forty to forty five dollar a month range. And when you break it up like that, it's not the sticker shock, and it's not too bad. Exactly. Exactly. I guess it kind of depends how good the 7S is, too. Like, it's not going to be super awesome with OLED or Touch ID built, no. whatever, but it's still, if it's available now or you have to wait two months and then you're also going to pay that extra fee, how many people are just going to upgrade? Right, exactly. And see, in my case, I won't go with the 7S. I'll wait, I'll wait it out for the 8. Yeah, that's that's what I'm leaning towards, too. Yeah. And so that's pretty much what we know about the iPhone 8, but Apple has other rumors going on, and it's mainly related to the Apple Car. A few months ago, there was a lot of talk about dismissing staff, and we don't know if Apple's going to proceed. But now, this week, they got an approval from the California DMV for three specific Lexus models to test the autonomous driving, or at least their full built-in kind of OS for the car, rather than like a car where they're building the entire chassis and everything right right and you know i mean it's it could be just the first step um maybe apple's going to develop um something that that car manufacturers build into their their automobiles like they did with carplay or maybe apple is really still is on their way to making their own car um it's it's impossible to say they're so tight-lipped about it right now but this permit from the state of California means that something is still happening with Project Titan, even though late last year we thought that the project had been scrapped. Yeah, that, that was kind of the main takeaway, that at least they're doing something. Is it building upon CarPlay, or is it going the full autonomous electric car thing that's going to rival Tesla or whatever? At yep. least they're doing something. Yep, absolutely. I did see, though, that... If they do get into this space of even just making an OS for the car, there's 29 other companies that are trying to do the same thing. I mean, we know the big names, 
but 29 other companies are working on some kind of autonomous car capability. So, I mean, Apple's going to have a big presence, but it's a tough space to be in. Yeah, yeah, it will be. But, um, you know, whatever they come up with is going to be elegant and most likely steps above the competition. Yep. Do you, does your car have CarPlay in it now? I don't have a car. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of sums that up. Yeah. No, no it does not. But uh, the, the next car that I get, if it doesn't have CarPlay integrated into it, I plan on getting a, a third-party aftermarket stereo that does have CarPlay. Yeah. Something by Jensen or Pioneer or something like that. Because those are only about like 500 or 600 or something. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not bad, and they're good quality. You know, not only do they add the CarPlay functionality, but they have good sound quality too as long as you pair them with a good set of speakers. Right. It will be interesting to see because Apple always has to be working on the next iPhone, next version of iOS, as well as macOS resources and iPad resources and Apple Watch resources. So... There's a lot they have to do to still carve out a section to work on the car. Yeah, there is. And, you know, that part of it kind of worries me. Um, I've, I've commented before that I'm afraid Apple might be stretching themselves a little bit too thin. And that's why the Mac Pro has been ignored for so long. But we'll just have to see what happens. Yep. And so that's pretty much the Apple rumors for the week. So now we can check out some new apps. The first one is YouTube TV, which actually launched last week, but it's interesting in that it's a brand new service to compete with Sling TV and PlayStation View and all of just the different uh, DirecTV Now. All these different ones are coming out with similar packages, kind of similar channel lineups and subtle variations. So YouTube TV just has one option. It's $35 a month. That seems to be the going rate based on like that certain subsection of channels where you're going to get like AMC and ESPN and all those kind of things. Yeah, that's that's the sweet spot um, because cord cutters don't want to pay more than that. Um you know, unless they really want a lot of extra content and, you know, you, you get into a payment of more than $35 a month, you might as well have a cable or, or satellite subscription because you're getting back into the realm of this is what I would pay with Comcast or Verizon or Uverse. So they Google Alphabet, they want to keep that price low enough to still attract people who are trying to get away from their cable subscriptions. Right. And, you know, YouTube TV makes it really easy. There's just one package. Like, if you look at PlayStation View, it has different channel selections, so you kind of get into that familiar picking different packages that you already have yep. with your cable thing, and their top one is $75 a month. So now, you know, it's a completely different market and question of whether to do it or not yeah absolutely and sling is very very similar in that they've got i believe three different packages um direct tv now has several packages so you know the fact that youtube tv only has that one package makes it stand out from the rest right and then it has the familiar name the one thing mm -hmm. that kind of always trips me up on all of these is that 
if you're really heavily into like Netflix and Amazon, you don't get that much into live TV. You're kind of my TV time is occupied with a lot to already watch. So they're trying for me, I feel like they need to diversify themselves more from those things than rather your traditional box. And in a sense, they are um, in that. And, and this is something that hardly anybody ever mentions. But in addition to the live TV, with YouTube TV, you're also getting YouTube Red uh, streaming content. So the the um, the exclusive content that YouTube Red has, you get with YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. Which is a nice actual distinguisher. Yeah, yeah, because that's something that Sling doesn't do, DirecTV Now doesn't do. Um, PlayStation View doesn't do, so it is a good distinguisher. And then it always sets you up to, we know that Hulu's going to have their own package by the fall, and they yep. do have their own exclusive content to kind of pair with it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so we'll see, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, YouTube TV is only in, in limited availability right now. Uh, I haven't been able to try it out because they haven't reached the the area where I'm living yet. I don't know if, if you've been able to test it or not. Yeah, luckily when you live in L.A., there's downfalls, but they throw out all the stuff. You know, it's yeah. one of the first city markets that stuff comes to. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm in Northeast Ohio. We don't get anything first. Yeah. Except I mean, Mellow Yellow. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. For Yeah, for YouTube TV, it, when you're in it, it doesn't feel that different than the other ones you've used you know once you're into watching the channels the interface kind of fades away and you have that dvr access where it's on demand you can switch around all that stuff and then you have that familiar channels you're kind of just scrolling through it doesn't change kind of the ui form they all play out relatively the same in that regard gotcha cool but that's definitely not a bad thing it's kind of what people are getting used to of not having to worry about a remote you kind of do everything you want with a touch-based interface. Yeah. And so that is YouTube TV. It's $35 a month. And this isn't its own standalone package, like with multiple channels. Instead, it's Boomerang, which is cartoons for kids, but it doesn't even have to be for kids because a lot of these cartoons are going to appeal to older generations because you have classics like Looney Tunes and Scooby-Doo and really that kind of subset of people when cartoons used to be on all the time on network TV in prime like Saturday morning slots, you know, rather than now cartoons are late night, you know, on very uh, niche channels and they do a lot more than kind of kids stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Boomerang's got some good stuff. Um, One of my favorites is Tom and Jerry. And the fact that I can relive the days of of my childhood when I would watch Tom and Jerry is just fantastic. And, I mean, for this app, it doesn't have a whole bunch going on, but it makes it easy with what they do have because there's just big tiles for every single franchise you might want to watch. And so say you click on Scooby-Doo, you can go back to the classic Scooby-Doo Where Are You?, or they have new versions remade kind of for modern audiences, and it's all within that Scooby-Doo umbrella. So you can kind of switch back and forth. Like if you click on Looney Tunes, same idea. 
Or then you can maybe go to particular characters. Like, say, you just wanted to watch Foghorn Leghorn from Looney Tunes. So now you have a right. whole section of just clips tied to him rather than watching them in order or series order. It's kind of jumping around through whatever you would like. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then Boomerang is going to be $5 a month. So that kind of is always the question mark. You can spend $35 a month and get this whole package, or you can find a specific thing that you're not going to really find live TV. And now it's a very specific price as a standalone. Yeah. And that's always a tough decision of how much am I going to spend? Because these once you kind of start getting into these different packages, it adds up. If you're spending on Netflix and Amazon, and then maybe you add Hulu in too, maybe I'm trying this one live streaming package for $35 a month, how many little bits am I going to add on or take away from that? And it can get expensive. It can yeah, get really expensive. quick. <laughs> I mean, even even with, even with the bundles, um, if you start adding on premium channels like HBO or Showtime, you're you're building your price rate back up. Yeah, if you do, I mean, you can subscribe to HBO by itself, and it's fifteen a month. Fourteen fourteen ninety nine a month, I think. Yeah, and that doesn't. That's just for HBO. So that's there, just you can, HBO. Yeah, you can surpass what you were paying with cable pretty quickly. Yep. And that's that's dedication to Game of Thrones if you're paying 15 bucks a month just to get HBO on your phone. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> and so that's pretty much the new apps, and now it's time for some new games. And this week it's not like the most overwhelming allotment, but there's some interesting titles. The first one's Bacon Escape, which we talked about on a previous episode for GDC. Now it's available for everyone to download. It comes from Illusion Labs, and it has a similar idea to their last titles, Mr. Crab and Mr. Crab 2, and that you're given a platformer, but it becomes an action platformer with a one-touch experience because your character moves automatically and you just tap. So in Mr. Crab, you're tapping to jump over obstacles. In Bacon Escape, you're tapping to change the items in the environment it plays like chameleon run in that regard where your character or in this case you have a pig he's escaped from jail he's in a little cart and you just have to tap so a platform might change vertically or you have these fires you tap and hold and it turns off and so you have to use the various switches to make sure your bacon or your pig can keep rolling along through the entire level mm, bacon <laughs> yeah um, it's a cute game. It really is. But uh, for me, bacon escaping is a travesty. <laughs> so the story takeaway, that was the the like plot hole you had a problem with? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's bacon. Come on. We, we got to get that in the skillet, not on the run. <laughs> Illusion Labs, but, they've been on quite a roll with their like graphic design and gameplay design. Yeah, it's it's a really well constructed game. It it plays nicely. It's the graphics are gorgeous. Um, it's it's like a it's like a cartoon that actually runs smoothly as you control it. Yeah, the only problem for me is that it's so hands off. There's all these deluxe animations and sequences to go through in the course of a level, but mm -hmm. you always are just kind of like overseeing the whole thing rather than directly like running through it or plowing and changing your momentum and all that kind of stuff that you're familiar with with a typical platformer. Yeah, I get that. 
Um, for me, I, I actually, unless I'm using my controller, I prefer not to have my hand on the screen too much when I'm playing a game. Um, just because my fingers get in the way and I can't see what's going on. Yeah, that's why I started playing on the iPad and then I got the big, huge iPad Pro. So yeah, <laughs> it kind of reduces that out. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, that'd be nice. I but yeah, definitely on that. the phone, for sure. Yeah. It's cramped. Yeah, I just don't usually take my iPad with me. I just have my iPhone with me most of the time. Yeah, I, I, if I'm playing a game at home, it's on the iPad. And so now you kind of balance out what games I'm going to play. On the phone, I like those games where it is just one tap or something that you're not cluttering the screen with. And then at yeah. home, you kind of go for a more immersive type of experience. Yep, yep. And Bacon Escape, it's definitely for that kind of on-the-go, quick-action iPhone game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's it's not it's not you know a, a high-intensity game. It's just a cute platformer that you just run and go with and play it for a few few minutes at a time. Yeah, it's made accessibly as possible, and then the game's free to play with. The really the only in-app purchases tied to. Being able to unlock new characters and buggies to ride in or continue your current run. If you lose and you're like 75% of the way through, you can continue your run based on yeah. apples. You can buy those apples or you can watch video ads. And if you like the ads, it really means you don't have to play, pay at all to play. Yep. And so that's Bacon Escape Free Universal. Next up is Full of Stars, which is a pretty interesting game because at first glance it looks like a simple, endless, vertical game where you're dodging meteors for as long as you can, and there's millions of games like that. But they actually change it up by introducing a storyline where you actually need to specifically dodge these meteors to travel from one point to the next because you're getting scavengers or stranded citizens to different planets. You're dealing with a war infrastructure and there's a choose-your-own-adventure setup where it's a little bit like Lifeline, where you get to actually pick which location you're going to go to, and you have different response choices in the sequences when you're not actually dodging asteroids and stuff. And so that changes up the idea, because rather than just this endless game, you have these distinct levels to play, and then there's storyline to break things up. Yeah, I like Full of Stars. Um when I first heard about the game and then saw it, I was a little bit disappointed because the phrase full of stars, I thought, oh, it's going to be something on the lines of along the lines of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it's it's really not other than the fact that you're exploring outer space and trying to find new civilizations. Yeah, it's more like FTL in that you get to actually go from planet to planet and explore or yep. you don't get any exploration, but you explore the whole galaxy as a whole. Yeah. But to take that kind of FTL strategy style and then reduce it down and combine it with an endless kind of, you tap the left side of the screen to move left and tap the right side of the screen to move right and reduce it to such a simple accessible style is an interesting twist because you have a complex kind of strategy adventure game combined with a super simple endless game and it makes it a relatively unique iOS experience. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm always amazed at how developers can do so much on the iPhone that, you know, the, the gaming experience on the iPhone is, is just phenomenal, especially with games like this. 
anything that's different always is going to stand out. Because if this yeah. game was just where you're going to tap left or right and dodge stuff for as long as you can, that would be deleted off your phone in less than five minutes. To actually make it so you want to go back because you're going to proceed to a new planet and a new point in the story is really what makes Full of Stars stand out. Yeah, for sure. And it's free, it's universal, and in this game, I didn't even know what the IEPs were. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice them either. And so th this is a one you can definitely play for free. And then to wrap up the week is Polycolor, which is just kind of a simple puzzle game that doesn't overwhelm you with different kind of story or menu and instead it just reduces a puzzle mechanic where you try to create a color scheme or you're filling in essentially like a tangram puzzle and you have to tap to place the colors you have three colors to you to work with and you need to make sure that no two of the same color are touching each other so it's just a matter of making sure you have yellow up in the upper left and then it's going to touch a red and then that's going to touch a blue and you don't want yellow touching yellow or blue touching blue and you're going to go in more and more complex kind of areas to fill in with these different colors as you go. Yeah, it takes a lot of thought, a lot of planning. Um, it's a casual game, but it's really not casual because you, you have to really plan where you're going to place your colors. Yeah, it's the game if you like that kind of relaxing, play at your own pace game but it's still contemplative you actually are going to think about every move that you make and as the puzzle comes together and how if i i've messed up and i have two yellows next to each other if i put a blue here actually i already had a blue next to that piece and so it messes up the entire kind of sequence of yeah. just if you get to the end of the puzzle and you have two pieces where the colors are going to match on the same side no matter what you put yeah once you get into the groove it's very zen-like and there's always kind of a place for that type of game on my phone, just like a little where I can open up and play one level when I'm waiting in line or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Yep, same here. And so that's Polycolor. It's 99 cents and it's universal. And I think that's everything for episode 15. Cool. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Thanks, man. It's been a lot of fun. To everyone listening, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>